Hello and welcome to the Jackass, the Swansea City podcast. I'm Git Dutherwillen and with me as always we have Steve Carroll and Matt Barocco. Evening boys. Evening. Uh, well, we've got another pack pod really to discuss. Uh, the uh, new era at Swansea City got off uh, to, well, got off with, uh, um, I, I guess you could say a bang. Uh, it was certainly exciting up at Blackburn. Um, plenty to discuss from that game as the Swans went uh, headfirst into uh, Russell Martin's style of play. Uh, we'll also be looking at new signings, a new stadium name, and looking ahead to the weekend's game. Uh, we'll also be discussing the Carabao Cup game away at Reading, but this is actually being recorded as that game is being played. So um, uh, we won't, uh, we, we, we'll leave that maybe until the end of the podcast um, because things could change. But uh, at the moment, um, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know, it's going quite well. The Swans are 2-0 up as things stand. But before we get to all that, uh, let's go back to Ewood Park. We'll start with you, Steve. You were up there uh, in Blackburn um, just first of all, what was it like being back in an away crowd again? It's quite strange, but um, obviously it was, it was great to be in there again. You could sense the, the buzz amongst the fans, really, um, after such a long time. Um, I suppose, if I'm honest, I'm slightly disappointed we didn't take more. I mean, I, I understand for some people there may be a bit of fear to do with COVID and uh, obviously people who've lost their jobs and this type of thing. But I did find it a bit surprising that we only took 900 because... I was thinking back to five years ago, we played Burnley on the opening day, which is a similar trip. I know we were in the Prem, but we took 2,000 that day. So for, it to, for us to take only half when, you know, let's be honest, we've all been starved of, uh, of live football was was a little bit of a surprise, really. But, um, you know, it was uh, still, it was, it was great to be up there and quite a few people obviously did make the effort to go as well. One thing I will say, of course, is that... Um... There was uh, a bit of a shortage of um, of transport to go up there. And that, um, you know, when people were, were planning to go up there, that that may have contributed to. It. I know that some people were paying um, pay, paying some quite high prices for train tickets, etc., to go up there. Um, hopefully, of course, uh, as things return to normal, we'll see uh, uh, a few more uh, uh, well, a, a few more higher attendances at away games. Um, but the well, the atmosphere sounded amazing. The videos looked great. It, it looked like everybody. Had a fantastic day, despite the fact that um, Matt, the, the Swans, got the season off um, well to a, a disappointing start, I guess. Uh, two uh, two one defeat away at uh, at Blackburn. I don't think it was massively surprising. I think we we spoke um, in last week's pod about you know the difficulties that Russell Martin was going to have um, introducing his style of play with so little prep time. Um, I think it's fair to say right from the first whistle, Matt, we saw that um, that lack of prep time um, may have had an impact on uh, on the performance. I think he said something like he had two, maybe three days of training um, with the with the players before before the Blackpool game. With when you consider um, the rest uh, after Southampton the weekend before, etc. So it really was. A quick turnaround. Um, you know, he's got to unpack his bag in the office and then basically get ready for the first game of the season. But um, you, you never know how it's going to go. Um, this opening day of the season always produces some crazy things, and uh, you we had probably the most crazy opening twenty minutes of any game played on uh, on Saturday afternoon because um, it was it was heart attack time. It was. On one hand, um, fantastic to see that we were stubbornly playing football, no matter what was the opposition were trying to do. Um, and at the same time, it really was like heart in your mouth because uh, it, right, right from the first minute, really, we we um, it was Latibodia overhit a back pass the bender and he had to control it under uh, pressure. And right from that moment, really, the tone was set. This is how. This is how it's going to be, really. We're going to have to get uh, used to um, risky football. But that's how you draw teams out, and that's how you find the spacing behind. And uh, it's fair to say, as the game progressed, and I'm sure we'll talk in a little bit about the later part of the game, but um, we, we came into it more and more and found more spaces and, and, and created great opportunities um, in open play, along the deck. And it was just... I didn't speak to anyone on Saturday coming out of the stadium who didn't who wasn't really really positive about the way the game went and uh, and thinking you know it's going to take time but when we get there it's going to be something special. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I'm interested enough. I mean, Steve, what what was the reaction in those opening 15, 20 minutes when it did look very ropey? Uh, you know, every single pass um, in our own half um, left you with a heart attack, really, because it it just always looked like we were ready to set up Blackburn chances, really trying to play this this high-risk passing game deep in our own half, um, having only had a day or two on the training ground to to practice it. Um, what was the response from the away end? Were, were, were fans, um, you know, ready to encourage that kind of play, very supportive, or, or was there a lot of kind of nervousness and people getting antsy about it all? I think in general, it was quite positive, but... Um... You know, there was the odd moon. You can't uh, can't say otherwise. Really, I mean, you you always get that. I think the frustration was that we did give the ball away quite cheaply on times, but I think you could just see the re- there were teething problems. Really, I mean, quite often, like from a goal kick, for example, only Bennett would um, would show for the ball, so obviously he would then receive the ball, and Grimes would drop deep to receive the next pass. But then there wouldn't really be anybody else. A lot of the other players would like two further up the pitch and not showing for it. So then Bender would sort of show for it and it would end up back with him and then he might have to do a maybe a longer pass and I think that's where the frustration was I think the maybe the other full backs maybe needed to drop a bit deeper I mean similar with Corey Smith really I think that was the that was one of the big issues really for me why I felt quite often we seem to be stuck in our own half and then seem to give the ball away quite cheaply so I think the that that's my frustration there's always going to be teething problems but I felt as if some of the other players didn't really help out their teammates as much as as they should have done, and and if we're honest, there were some of the players as well who, you know, I think we've probably got some doubts over how good they are on the ball. So that always then is going to cause problems. I mean, if you want to play this way, you've got to be able to uh, take the ball under pressure and and lay it off to another teammate. And we didn't see a lot of evidence from from some of the players really, did we, on Saturday that they're going to be uh, up to that job long term. Yeah, I mean, Matt, you you said there that the play did improve as the game went on, and after that extremely shaky, um, you know, open opening stage into the game, um, I think it is fair to say that they looked a little bit more comfortable on the ball as the game went on. We still, you know, conceded an awful amount of chances um, throughout the match, but but when we actually did have the ball and, and created chances, I mean that. There were some opportunities there, and one of the big ones, um, you know, one of the turning points really in the game came in the first half when Ben Cabangle played the best pass that I've seen from a Swansea player for for ages, uh, right into the path of uh, Liam Cullen, but um, but but he couldn't, um, but he couldn't find the back of the net. A really good save um, by the Blackburn keeper, and um, of course, not too long afterwards, Blackburn took the lead then, which you'd have to say they probably deserved on the balance of the first half. But, um, I mean, sh- how much encouragement should we take from the fact that that first chance was set up so well for, for Liam Cullen? But is there a frustration that, that he he couldn't find the back of the net at that time? Yeah, well, there's something to work with, isn't it? Because I, I, I would put Cabango firmly in the category of one of the players on Saturday who demonstrated a, a, a distinct lack of passing ability uh, on the whole. I think he couldn't make the five-yarders five uh, for much of the game, but at the same time, he plucks out a 25-yard pass, you know, daisy cut the through ball to, to um, Liam Cullen, and so without doubt, the, the pass of the first half. And, um, you know, he can... Uh, Count himself unlucky. He hasn't ended up with an assist there because Cullen should be tucking that away. Um, we're hoping it'll be you know a breakthrough season for him. He had a couple of chances. The second one in his one in the second half, I think, was a lot better executed, and it just took a very very good save to keep it out of the back of the net. But um, he'll want he'll be frustrated he didn't tuck any take tuck either of them away. And um, but there's as we've been already mentioning, there's so many. Um, shoots of optimism all over the park and to further what steve was saying about um little bits of frustration in the opening 20 minutes it certainly was from my point of view as well was was that if you're going to play um passing football you're certainly going to try and keep the ball away from the opposition you need to support the man on the ball and that in, that is all 
as Steve mentioned, when we were passing it from goal kicks, it was also when it was going wide to the likes of Bidwell and Norton. Um, they were getting the ball, but they were finding themselves with no Swans player within 25 yards of, of them because everyone was... So the movement is something that obviously is going to improve because more time on the training pitch, more tactical work. But at the, at, on, on Saturday, you could see there was a lot of isolation. There was a lot of players who were just caught. And, and then we had to play long passes and we did see quite a few of them then get intercepted which Blackburn then you know rampaging up the pitch and um and and, and causing us all sorts of problems but those are all things that can be worked on they're not that they're, they're part of the process of, of of building this back into a football team um you know the players we've got are very Steve Cooper you know in the Steve Cooper mold now our, our defenders are robust no-nonsense centre-halves and and so we've got a Bear in mind, if we're going to try and start playing out from the back and try and bring in the ball out the back, a la Alan Tate or, or Ashley Williams, then we, we're going to have to get either slot someone else in there to do that or, or certainly spend a lot of time with the players we've got to make them more comfortable doing so. Um, and I'd love to see a return to the sort of triangles we were playing under Martinez. Again, that's involving the supporting of the players when they receive the ball, getting out of tight corners and stuff. Um, but um, there's potential there's so much potential uh, and you can throw all the stats of shots on goal and, and, and goals scoring opportunities and expected goals at me all you want uh, in terms of the, what came out of Saturday. But at what what I saw on the pitch was, was, was the start of something. Uh, I saw so much there which I was hoping to see so I was I was happy I was I was just thinking right okay we're going to probably lose a few games between now and Christmas by a few goals um because this is the way we got to play until we until we get comfortable with it uh I would take um a mid-table finish this season even even in even in the bottom half as long as it's comfortable uh if it means that we are building something special for the future because I think that's what a lot of Swans fans want now yeah, and, and one player, Steve, um, who does look like he's quite suited to um, the new style of play is um, Stephen Bender. He uh, made only a second league start for the Swans um, on, on Saturday. Um, had a bit of a, a mixed afternoon, I think it's fair to say. Made several um, excellent saves, kept you know kept the score respectable at, at times. Um, but he was, you know, badly at fault for that second goal, conceding, um, you know, a, a really avoidable penalty um, right at the start of the second half. How do you kind of rate his um, his performance on the whole? Because um, he made the who scored team of the week, um, which I found quite weird for a keeper who who made such a big, you know, error during the match as well. But perhaps that also shows how, how good the other attributes of, it, of his game were. Yeah, to be fair, I thought Bender did have an excellent game. I mean, he was so good on the ball. He, honestly, he was better than all three centre-halves on the ball. I'm not, I'm not sure really know how to feel about that in some ways. But, I mean, he, he was spraying the ball around. His, his long balls were, were good. He was he always seemed to be aiming for somebody. And he did make some decent saves. And to be fair, he caught... Uh, um, sorry, he took the ball from crosses quite well. So it was just that that one mistake, really. Um it was poor. I, you can't look at it in any other way. Um, I think the way we were playing did mean that we would um, end up conceding a poor goal. I didn't think it would quite be like that. I thought it would be a case of more a defender putting a, the opposition striker one-on-one or something like that. But honestly, Bender had an excellent game. I saw a lot to be encouraged about. Obviously, if he does give penalties like that away every week, then uh, you know maybe I'll change my mind slightly. But like it is just one of those things, I think. But uh, there's a lot to be encouraged about with uh, with Bender, I think, especially if this is the way that we want to play. I think we've, as long as he's going to show the attributes in goal that he doesn't make uh, those type of mistakes often, then we've definitely got an excellent goalkeeper on our hands, which is great as well, because obviously it's a young player that, you know, hopefully is going to be with us for a while, or if not, if he ends up standing out a lot, then maybe we, we can sell him on for, for big money. So... I think I'd much rather that than bringing in Woodman again for for another year anyway, as uh, as well as he did for us. Yeah, it was uh, a, a very um, very strange opening day this season, really. Um, one where the Swans lost, but a lot of fans came away feeling um, like that there were signs of um, of positivity there and uh, a few things to get our hopes up for for the uh, coming season. Obviously, we're right at the start of a of a journey here and. Um, 
you know, there, there were plenty of issues with uh, with performance against Blackburn. But um, fair play to Russell Martin. He has really just told them 100%, no bridging process here. Uh, we're not trying to, you know, make a gradual shift from uh, Steve Cooper's uh, style of play to, to his. He's He is straight away from the off asking his players to be gutsy, to take risks, to be adventurous. And... Um, if nothing else, um, it definitely wasn't boring, which is uh, one of the main criticisms aimed at um, Steve Cooper. There was absolutely nothing boring about the match um, on uh, on Saturday. Um, we'll go on now to discuss a couple of uh, signings, and we'll start, Matt, with um, the player who scored on his debut um, on uh, Saturday, and that's um, Patterson, who um, we picked up, I think on Friday he was announced, um, so he had even less time to prepare with the team uh, ahead of this match, um, but he, he found the back of the net. How did you um, how did you rate his um, performance on the whole? He was another one. I think he, he moved I think he moved a little more central as the game went on, and that's where he really stamped his authority. For me, he was up the, you know, he's our best player in the second half. I thought everything good went through him and he was um he was pulling the strings I, I just loved his purpose i love the fact that he was the driving force through midfield um he wasn't content with uh i mean bear in mind as i'm talking about the second half years was to concede the penalty in the 46th minute um we had to get back into that game and um then he picked up the reins and uh obviously bullishly took the goal but he went on from there then, and he drove us forward. And I, I really liked his style of play. And the signing himself, I know it's it's never going to you know wow people because he's you know he's not he's not an exotic uh, you know foreign name whatever who's you know pinged him about in other leagues whatever. But he's he's such a sensible acquisition for me because he's he's there he's he's, he's available on a free. Um, yes, he's obviously got his injury problems, which are well documented. But he's 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 versatile as well, and we are lacking options up up the pitch. And uh, he's shown uh, in that little time we've seen him that you know if if we went and signed four or five other midfielders between now and the closure of the window, then this is a man that can certainly do something, whether it be at the starting eleven or off the bench. And he, he looked. He looked a live wire. So as the game got on, I thought he was the man to to really pull us back into it, and um, and was one of the reasons why I felt Russell Martin was spot on when he said um, that the Blackburn were, you know, holding on um, as the game wore on. I, I know the highlights will will make that look daft because it looks like uh, it looks like Blackburn had a host of chances, but really it was at that point then it was just catching us on the break because they were. Um, we had a lot of it as as in you know in between about the hour mark and the and the eighty minute mark we were um we were knocking that door so uh yeah I thought it was great yeah I'll be honest I thought the the comment from Martin the the Blackburn were holding on was a bit weird I didn't think they were holding on in particular in particular um you know not not particularly desperately it wasn't like uh, you know Steve Cooper swans for much of last season when uh, you know we'd be desperately sitting deep and um, and parking the bus. But, um, I mean, Steve, on, on Jamie Patterson, Matt, Matt said that, you know, there were a couple of groans, maybe some play, some fans on social media, perhaps the younger ones more than uh, more than the seasoned ones, um, having a few moans about him. Um, I didn't quite get that, I'll be honest. I mean, I know he's 29. He's he's had his injury problems of late, um, which, which may, may be... Is probably a reason why we're we're getting him on a free um, at this stage in his career. But uh, I mean, for me, he ticks a lot of boxes. He's creative. Um, he's got experience in the championship. He's um, qu- he uses the ball well. Uh, and as he showed on Saturday, um, he has got an eye for goal. Um, so I I'd be honest, I was surprised that anybody really had any kind of complaints about it, especially when you um, when when you look at how how short we are in that department and how short of creativity we were last season. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I mean, we were short of players and short of players in that position. And it's on a free transfer. It's a one-year contract. I'm seeing very little risk, even if it doesn't work out, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I I didn't really get the, the criticism of it. And obviously he's marked his debut now with a goal and, yeah, as Matt said, I thought in the second half, really, he was he was arguably our best player. So, 
yeah, I'm I'm happy with that signing. I mean, the fact is, we're not awash with money anymore. We can't be going out spending money on on loads of players. We will have to mix and match a little bit. And um, as far as I'm concerned, that was uh, that's that's a good deal. It's it's quite low risk, and uh, yeah, I, I don't see a lot to moan about really. We'll see. Uh, just just to quickly pick up on that as well. This is we're always spoiled. We had the we had the, the 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 many years in the Premier League that people saw us pick up seasoned internationals then, and, and really like you know you, you had you heard of the name before they were linked to us, and it was an exciting time, no doubt. But we got there by picking up players that were no longer wanted by other clubs because they suited our system, and this is how we began. And 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 we you know the very start of this footballing journey, if you like, um, when we lost uh, away at Oldham under Martinez's uh, first full season, we came away from that with so much optimism and, and realising what we were building. And we built a team of cast-offs, if you like, uh, players that just weren't making it. Arguably, greatest signing of the last 25 years, Angel Rangel, was Division 2 in Spain. You know, it's not it's not as if you have to have had, you know, they have to have a 85-plus FIFA rating for these people to understand that it's got to be the right player for your system. Uh, you only have to look at the last few years of the Premier League to realise if you throw in money at mercenaries, none. It doesn't always work out. Quite often it doesn't work out at all. Yeah, so that's Jamie Patterson through the door. He's uh, signed a one-year deal with, uh, I think, the uh, option to extend that. Um, another player who was announced today, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, is Flynn Downs, who um, we've known, I think, um, with quite some certainty for the last couple of days that he was going to be arriving. Um, 22-year-old, uh, d- more defensive midfielder, I think, uh, in his nature from uh, from Ipswich. Um, a former England under-20 international. We haven't stopped signing those just because Steve Cooper's left. Um, and, um, well, Steve, I think it's fair to say this is a position where we probably needed to strengthen this season. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm assuming, obviously, Russell Martin seen a bit of him when he was at Ipswich. Would have come up against him a few times. Um, could be Matt Grimes' replacement. I think we've got to be realistic about that. Hopefully not. But, um, you know, I think... I'm quite pleased we're going for these type of players. I mean, young, hungry, you know, looking to improve. And like I say, hopefully we'll improve with us and then potentially we can sell them on. That's the way we have to look at it, really. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm encouraged, although I can't say I've seen him play or know a great deal about him. But, um, you know, given the way that uh, Russell Martin wants us to play, I think it's wise to assume that he's going to be a player who's uh, who's good on the ball and will keep the ball moving, you'd have thought. So, you know, that's uh, that sounds good to me. And um, Matt, I, one thing they do say about them is they does love a tackle. Is that something that we need in midfield? In fairness, it wasn't as much of an issue last season when we had the likes of Smith, Fulton and Grimes in midfield. But um, possibly with um, the switch to new new style, we need a player in there who can, uh, another player in there then who can, who can put a tackle in as well as um, pass the ball around. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because I think what he would offer... From what I've read about him, is he isn't just you know he isn't just a, a spoiler, he's a footballer first and foremost. So we need that, and and the fact that he offers a bit of grit by the sounds of things as well is is a is a bonus. You know we need we need to stem the flow of um, players making their way through the midfield at ease, and um, he sounds like someone who would, uh, who would who would like to stop that at source. I mean. Um, not 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 to not to vilify the guy, but there was a moment on Saturday where uh, where 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 Danda dawdled on the ball in the second half, lost it, and then put in the weakest half-hearted challenge ever, and and Blackburn ended up something like three on three racing towards our goal. So it was, I mean, you don't you just got to be. We I want someone to come in that into that midfield who's going to you know impose themselves as well and as well as be able to play with it. And um, it sounds like he's got a bit of both. So. Um, and, and from what I've read, he's he's very highly rated, and uh, and and not too not in the too distance past was um, being uh, courted by Crystal Palace, and um, and so he's um, he's one that they think is uh, is destined for the Premier League in the not too distant future. So, you know, hopefully that journey's with us. Yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see where he fits in, especially, of course, as we've um, seen injuries to uh, Liam Walsh. He he does have a. Uh, an awful injury record, really. So that's something that we may have to just accept. And um, of course, Corey Smith went off 
against Blackburn, which was uh, a real blow as well. And hopefully uh, he won't be out for too long. Um, still waiting to hear uh, for the news of that injury as as we record this. Um, but yeah, welcome to the club, Flynn Downs, and um, hopefully he'll uh, settle in quickly. Um, one signing which hasn't been confirmed at this moment, but does look likely if... Um, Reporter to be believed, Steve, is uh, Ethan Laird, a uh, player who can play left back, but played uh, right well, right wing back uh, under Russell Martin at the MK Dons last season. Uh, very highly rated by their fans. Um, I mean, I th- again, is this a, a position where we need to strengthen, really? He's uh, expected to come in on loan from, from Manchester United um, with Connor Roberts out um, until at least October, we, we think. Well, Cal Norton is the only other player really that we've got to play that position who isn't, you'd think, suited to playing that attacking style of play. Um, I mean, does that mean that Ethan Laird basically was a player we had to get? I think it is a wise move to bring him in. I mean, you know, Connor Roberts only has a year left. I know he's out till October, but you, you just don't know. He could end up moving on at the end of the month on deadline. Dave, you might get an offer for him. Someone will take a punt. So, I think we did need to bring him in, as you say. I mean, I don't think Norton is suited to to going forward, really. I actually think there's a reasonable chance he may end up playing in the back three because he probably is a little bit better on the ball than some of the other players. So I think, yeah, it's uh, it's a good move as uh, as far as I'm concerned. I think it is a player that uh, that we need at this moment in time, whether uh, or not if Connor Roberts does return from injury in the studio. Obviously, that could be an interesting little battle and maybe... Uh, Led will then move to left wing back. We we don't really know, do we? But um, yeah, I think certainly in the short term, it's uh, it's a position that we need. And Matt, do you think if we get Led in, that that will be our um, you know main transfer business done for the summer? Or do you think maybe we'll be looking at uh, at other positions? And if so, you know where are the areas that you think we could still use a couple of uh, well, just someone else to strengthen us. No, well, yeah, I don't. I don't think we're done. Um, I think there's uh, there's certainly space for a, an acquisition at the top end of the pitch. I know we've brought in a few um, over the summer, but they they're young and untested, and in in some regards, and uh, and I'm sure Russell Martin would um, would like to bring in um, an out and out number nine to be the uh, the linchpin of our attack, and then have the others uh, come in around him. Um, at the moment, we're we're looking for that. As I mean, as we record again, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, Piro has, has scored tonight, so that hopefully is a confidence booster for him and um, and, and and for the and for the, the the guys up front. But we, I really want. Oh, I'm sure Russell Martin really wants to have a figurehead that you know you can you can you can play off up there, and um, and hopefully that that's something you'd be. Um, Talking about with the with the hierarchy, which which to be fair, um, I wasn't on last week's pod, um, so I'll, I'll say here now they've has he's come in. He had to have so many assurances from what we gather before he would contemplate taking our job, um, and that fills me that fills me with joy because I don't want a manager that doesn't want to have assurances of control, assurances of a transfer budget, etc. If a manager comes here without those assurances, I'd worry about that manager. So the fact that he's laid the law down and he's got the club to pay significant compensation for his services and he's come in and, you know, he's made it clear, we need this player, we need that player, we need this position filled, this squad isn't good enough, we need to have these numbers in, um, even if it's just to build up the squad numbers. And um, and the business is being done, and it's not being done on on you know all loans and frees. You know, um, Downs has come in and what we believe to be around about one to one and a half million pounds, which is uh, is a not insignificant sum at all for us. Um, and and I'm sure I'm sure this, these all conversations have already been had and have continued to be had at boardroom level that we um, that they've got to trust him and they've got to back him and. Uh, that's good to see. I, you need that synergy. You need that uh, agreement between, uh, you know, the chairman and the board and, and the manager that they are talking, singing off the same hymn sheet. So, uh, fingers crossed. I think um, I think there's space for uh, one or two more after this. Yeah, and it's not um, just in terms of uh, squad building that business is getting done at the moment because 
Uh, as you may have read, the Swans uh, have a new stadium name. The Liberty Stadium uh, is gone, uh, even though I'm sure fans will still keep calling it that. Um, Steve, we've, we've got a new stadium name uh, and it's a familiar sponsor. It's an old shirt sponsor. It's Swansea.com. What were your uh, initial reactions when you heard that uh, it's going to be renamed the Swansea.com Stadium? If I'm honest, it's sort of gone in one year or the other. I mean, I'm just thinking purely from a financial point of view. If it's better than Liberty, then then that's fine. But yeah, we're still going to call it the Liberty Army. I think that's uh, that's fairly obvious. I mean, after 16 years, it's not going to going to really change now, is it? So, um, but yeah, from a from a financial point of view, I think a deal should have been done a lot sooner, really, to get the. Uh, to get a shirt sponsor in, but obviously as we as the lease for the stadium came up, then we got relegated, which probably didn't help. So, um, but yeah, we've uh, yeah, if, if this helps us out financially in these tough times, then it's got to be a good thing, really. And uh, like I say, I, I don't think the name is going to stick. So, there, there was a substantial backlash on online. Uh, a lot of people um, seemed to react quite angrily to the news that uh, the stadium would be renamed. Do, do you understand that that frustration? Um, from my point of view, I got a feeling it might be to do with the fact that Martin Morgan owns Swansea.com. So, yeah, that's that's probably how I'm uh, how I'm reading it. And I suppose it, it doesn't sound like the greatest of names, does it? I think that's that's fair. But at the same time, we've got to just think of the money. Really, it's. Uh, it's as simple as that. No one has to call it the Swansea.com stadium around here, do they? No, exactly. I mean, Matt, do you have any issues with the fact that um, it's uh, Martin Morgan's company, a former director who, of course, left the club um, in, in quite controversial circumstances with uh, the takeover a couple of uh, years back, which which wasn't very popular and um, still question marks about the way it was, uh, it was all conducted. Um, I mean, he's he's not going to be any more involved in the running of the club, but um, he's once again putting his money in there. Do, do you have any kind of issues with that? No, oh, he's a, he's just a sponsor now, isn't he? I mean, I know he's got the the five percent holding, um, but that wasn't going to change. So, um, Swansea.com is is just a stadium sponsor. Uh, have we been running Liberty Properties as a stadium sponsor for free advertising for the last? four or five years haven't we you know it's been ludicrous so um in terms of uh the name yeah okay if he if he named his company uh white rock you know <laughs> limited or whatever i'd be delighted because because that was uh that was always my my first choice to the stadium name but you know it's called Swansea.com and yeah people won't like it but we're not going to change though how we call it it's just how it's going to be called on you know on official channels on the on the highlights and stuff like that on tv that's it you know we're not gonna we're not gonna suddenly start calling it a different name um you know it doesn't affect us does it i don't think it affects us at all uh if it means we've got extra funds or transfers and it you know makes a difference between being able to hook a couple of players in here we wouldn't have otherwise been able to get, then um, then finally, you know, the fact that it's owned by Martin Morgan doesn't change anything unless it involves some, you know, some equity in the club, which I'm, I'm not quite convinced does, to be honest with you. It's a sponsorship deal. It could have been called anything. If he's offered the most money, that's the way it is. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't really see much wrong with the name. It's, okay, it's not as catchy as Liberty Stadium, perhaps, but it's, you know, it's not the select car leasing stadium like the one the Swans are playing in tonight in the Carabao Cup. It's not the Tony Macaroni stadium like Livingston have in Scotland. You know, there are far, far worse stadium names that you could get out of sponsorship. Um, you know, it's a local sponsor. It's got the word Swansea in it. You know, I think if it wasn't for the fact there was a dot com there, I think a lot of people would would feel, yeah, that's that's, you know, fine. But um, yeah, I, I I personally don't really get what what all the fuss was about when people were losing their temper over the thing and um, and and seemed to be annoyed by the whole thing. I you know, like you said, if if you if you prefer to use the Liberty, if you feel you know Liberty comes naturally to you, then keep calling it the Liberty Stadium, which I have a feeling that I'm going to be doing anyway, um, not out of any kind of particular stance, but just because that's what we've called it since what 2005. When we first moved in there, so um, um, yeah, for me, it's you know the only time we're probably going to hear the uh, uh, Swansea dot com stadium mentioned is uh, on Gillette Soccer Saturday or um, 
or things like that, you know. But um, the first match being played at the stadium under its new name will be this Saturday. It'll be the largest home attendance for a Swans uh, home match anyway um, since uh, before the pandemic. We're expecting some 16,000 fans at the, at the. I was about to say Liberty there, it just shows how, how difficult it is to, to get out of that routine at the Swansea.com stadium. Um, I mean, an 8 p.m. kickoff uh, on Sky Sports against Sheffield United. Um, Steve, how, how are you feeling looking ahead to this game? Well, I think, first of all, it's just going to be great to get back into a more or less full liberty, isn't it, after such a long time? Um, it's going to be a tough game. Sheffield United, obviously, have, have got a good side. You know, they, they didn't win at the weekend. They lost in their home to, to Birmingham. Um, so they'll be chomping at the bit at the thought. I mean, I think it shows sometimes that even though they've, they have got a good side, I mean, if you've got such a losing mentality, having, you know, taken a good few beatings last season, that it, 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 there is a bit of a hangover sometimes into the next term. So when you think of it like that, obviously they, they've not started great. It might not be the worst time to to possibly play them, although that is uh, famous last words, I know. But, um, but look, it's, it's going to be a difficult game, isn't it? I think they've uh, they've kept a lot of their, their good players, haven't they? And uh, there's a couple of players there that we, we know quite well as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to be great to be back in there, isn't it? I think the... Mind you, the eight o'clock kickoff probably isn't the best. I think I'd rather half as five, if I'm honest. Um, you know, but there's going to be a, a rousing atmosphere. I would have thought because uh, a lot of pints are probably going to be consumed before kickoff. Yeah, none by me, unfortunately, because the fact that it's an eight pm kickoff means there are no trains leaving after the match going back to Cardiff. Um, so I'm going to be driving to the match, um, which wasn't what I had planned initially, but. Um, there we go. Thank you very much, um, Transport for Wales. Um, Matt, um, I mean, Steve said there that, you know, they, they've come down with a losing mentality. Uh, and of course, they're, they're, you know, they, they had an awful season last year. But it's worth pointing out that they won three of the last six games uh, in the Premier League. And they actually, um, surprisingly, perhaps won more games in the Premier League last season than the other two teams that were relegated with them, West Brom and, and Fulham. Um, Fulham in particular, I think people people would say had a much better season than Sheffield United on the whole. But um, it just goes to show that perhaps they, they did pick up a few more wins in that second half of the season than um, than people expected. Um, what 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 do you expect from Sheffield United this season? Because they've got a new manager, um, not really many new players. It's pretty much the same squad that they came down with. Um, do do you think that they're going to you know struggle after after having such a se- bad season last year, um, or do you think it, it, they will be able to you know start afresh? I think they'll probably I think they'll probably have a um, a stop start first half of the season perhaps. I, I certainly expect um, when you know when when you start coming to the to the tail end of the season they'll be up in around the. The top six for sure, probably the you know higher again. But um, I, I can um, I can envisage them not necessarily getting it all their own way early doors. We we were able to watch the um, the majority of the uh, the the Birmingham game um, on on the weekend, and you know they finished with four strikers on the pitch, and it wasn't for the last minute or two. It was at least 15, 17 minutes. They had four strikers on the pitch, and. Um, and no route to go. You know, the, the reality is they didn't look like scoring. I think it was very much um, throwing the players on there without a real cohesive plan of how they were going to make it work. And I feel like, to some extent, that was a bit of an issue last season. You know, you when you consider that um, they spent so much money on Rian Brewster, of course, they, they bought Ollie McBurney off us. And, um, and they, they never really worked out how to get the most out of them um and uh you know it'll be interesting to see i've got no doubt that that given the opportunity those two will will bang in goals um you know in, in this league as they've already done um but i i just it'd be interesting to see how long it takes them to really get up um up to speed you know they how they started with david mcgoldrick up front uh against birmingham so they've they've not really all Convinced, and oh, Yukanovic at least perhaps isn't overly convinced, and the the attributes of Brewster and McBurney at the moment needs to be convinced. Um, 
and then of course Billy Sharp is another option for them as well. So um, yeah, I think they'll get there. But I'm and and with Stephen, I think uh, probably the earlier you play them, the more chance you've got of catching them on a you know catch them a little bit colder before um, they really get their teeth into it. Yeah, it is a weird one, Steve, isn't it? I mean, in, you know, you look at the striking options they had um, last uh, at the weekend. I mean, they started with Lise Moussa and, um, and Ollie Burke, which I'll be honest, from my point of view, it seemed like a strange um, choice to start that kind of match against Bur- uh, Birmingham. But they also had McGoldrick, they, they brought on Brewster, they brought on McBurney and they brought on Billy Sharp. They've got no shortage of striking talent, really, especially by championship standards. Um, but and I thought I thought you know they played a lot of good football uh, against Birmingham, but but you're right that they they did really struggle to break down Birmingham, um, and and they, I mean I I just I, it surprised me if I'm being honest that they that they didn't pose more of a threat. Yeah, I think it, it probably is a, a bit of a shock, really, because like like you say, when you look at the strikers that they've got. You know, there, there should be goals in that team at this level. I mean, maybe they're just, you know, they haven't found the the right balance yet. I mean, you can you can get that really, can't you? And I mean, as, as Matt has said, they, they shoved a load of strikers on. You know, that that can work, obviously. But, you know, in general, then you're playing the percentages, aren't you, rather than trying to be particularly clever. So, yeah, I think it is a bit of a, a little bit of a surprise uh, result, really. But, I mean, you always get the odd surprise, don't you, on the, uh, the opening day. And, um Suppose in this division, that that was the one that um, at the weekend um, they, they'll come good. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Djokovic is uh, is a good manager at this level. He's renowned for playing nice football and quite attacking. So, you know, I wouldn't be too alarmed if I was a Sheffield United fan. I think I'd be more frustrated really after what was quite a miserable season that they've, you know, a season they expect to be a lot better has started, uh, you know, in the way that they wouldn't have wanted. But um, you know, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure they'll be in the top six when uh, you know we get to the 46 game. Yeah, I mean it's worth noting as well that Birmingham are adept at uh, upsetting the apple cart um, on the opening day of the season. The last two seasons they um, they beat Brentford one uh, nil on both occasions, despite having a fraction of the percent of the of the possession and chances in both of those games. So. Um, you know, it's uh, it's nothing new for for Brighton to surprise very good teams on the opening day. Um, also thought Sanderberger had a fantastic game in midfield. Um, Matt, one player. I mean, there's going to be a lot of focus before this game on those two strikers that that used to play for the Swans, Ollie McBurney and Rian Brewster, both big fan favourites here. Um, what, what before they left? Um, McBurney hasn't scored. Uh, well, he scored one goal in the whole of last season. Um, spent a lot of it on the bench. Um, definitely didn't have a happy season. Rian Brewster had not scored for more than a year until tonight. Now he's found the back of the net against Carlisle, a relatively straightforward finish against you know a League Two side, but it is a goal and it has come just before he plays against the Swans. How worried should we be about that? <laughs> well, it depends. Really, I would be. I would be this time last year. I'd be all over that because. I, you can tell me I was Mr. Pessimistic. I was <laughs> I was negative about everything to do with the Swans. I'd like to think I've turned a leaf. And I'm looking at it thinking Brewster was nailed on to get his first goal in a year against us. And he got it against Carlisle instead. So breathe a sigh of relief, Gitto. Live in the dream, my friend. It's not going to be a problem now. Uh, Brewster scored tonight, so that's him, got, that's him done for another spell. Um, of course, you know, we could talk strikers and purple patches and they get one, then they get the next six in a row. Um, but we're not going to focus on that. We'll just say he was destined, as we know as Swans fans, players don't score the week before us. They don't score two weeks before us. They save it all for the Swansea game. And he's he's ruined it. He's gone a few days too early, which is great for us, I think. Uh, I think, hope, fingers crossed, he's not a purple patch. It's just, uh, it's just the one that we expected to come on Saturday night. And just out of interest, Matt, I'll ask the same thing to Steve. Now, if you could take either one of those strikers, Rian Brewster or Ollie McBurney, and just plonk them in this Russell Martin team, which one of them would you pick right now? Ollie McBurney, without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. And Rian Brewster's the more um, natural finisher. And he's... he's I, but for me, Ollie McBurney is 
a footballer and he, he does so much more than put the ball in the back of the net and uh, he would he would absolutely love playing uh, for a Russell Martin team, I'm sure of it. Um, Rian Brewster is a goal scorer, but uh, McBurney is a front man which would lead from the line in every aspect. Steve, what about you? I'm sure we'd take either of them right now, but uh, which one would you prefer? Um, my heart goes with McBurney, but head is with Brewster. Because I think Brewster's the the better player and the better goal scorer in general, really. Um, I think Brewster, longer term, will probably cut it in the Prem. I'm not sure that McBurney is going to. I think McBurney's destined to always be that. You know, a bit like Dwight Gale will do really well in this division, but I don't think he's up to, you know, really doing it in the Prem, really. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's two players who've, who've done well for us. And uh, I wish well in general, apart from on Saturday, of course. Yeah, it does show how difficult it is to make the step up when you're a striker from from Championship to Premier League. So few players really manage to nail it. Um, from my point of view, I, do you know what, Steve? I, I think you talk a lot of sense there saying I think Brewster has a greater potential to go further in the game um, than, than McBurney. I think he is more suited to the Premier League. But right now, I'm thinking with, with Matt, I think I'd, I'd take McBurney in our current situation. I think he'd contributes a lot not just in terms of goal scoring but in terms of you know his work around the pitch and and the creativity but um i mean we were very lucky to have both of those strikers at, at different spells um and sheffield united should really be lucky to have them right now if they can uh, if they can make the most of them and um you'd say both of them have the major potential to to have great seasons this year um, at Bramall Lane. Um, just looking ahead to this week's match, then let's get a prediction. Uh, Matt, uh, your first one on the podcast. I think you were right last uh, last week. You, uh, no, no you I, I, I had us down for a 2-1 win. Yeah, uh, sorry. It was Steve who was right. Steve. Yeah, I think uh, I said 2-0 loss. Yeah, we go. Well, you got you got the you know the basic result uh, right, even if you didn't get the scoreline quite right. Um, but Matt, um, let's hear your prediction then for Sheffield United. You predicted a win against Blackburn. That definitely didn't turn out right. Um, no. What do you think of this week? Uh, this is tough. Um, yeah, I would say it's a good, uh, probably a good time to play Sheffield United. And as much of a full house as as, as the stadium will allow us to have, I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely bouncing. That said, Sheffield United have so much ammunition. Um, and, you know, despite what we'll talk about in a minute, our, our handsome win tonight, it was against a, a rather inexperienced Reading team, not to take anything away from it. Um, but what we saw against Blackburn was very much a team learning uh, this this way of playing. And... Um, if we were to surrender possession in the sorts of positions we did against Blackburn on Saturday, then um, then there's plenty of players there who won't give a second sniff to to, to sticking them in the back of the net. So um, I think uh, I think let's not get too downbeat and let's avoid the um, Swans Facebook page if we do come unstuck on Saturday night um, because uh, it's, it won't be the end of the world. Uh, I think potentially a 2-1 defeat, um, but uh, let's see um, let's see how that plays out because uh, as long as the, uh, the intention is there, I'm going to be happy that we'll get there eventually. Do you know what? It's good advice to just avoid any Facebook page under all circumstances, at all times, that, that website is poison. Um, Steve, uh, how about you, Matt? As a 2-1 two, uh, two defeat, uh, are you any more positive? I am a little bit more positive, yeah. I'm, um, you know, I, I do think with the 12th man behind us, that might just make the difference. I'm going to say a one-all draw. From my point of view, I think we're going to struggle to frustrate Sheffield United in the same way that Birmingham did. Birmingham were very organised, very, very compact at the back. I don't think we're going to be that way, even though we've had an extra week to work on it. Um, and, and I think we could, um, I, I, I think we'll concede a few sloppy goals. So I'm going to go, um, I'll go 3-1 Sheffield United. But again, it's as Matt said, it is about that progression and just seeing us develop and um, try to get more comfortable in this style of play uh, and looking long-term. So, um, I mean, none of our pr predictions are 
particularly um, positive, although I think we all take um, Steve's right now if uh, if it was on offer. Um, but that's not the only home game that we'll have this week, because on Tuesday night then, uh, we uh, have our old friends Stoke City arriving uh, at the Liberty Stadium. We um, always oh, called it the Liberty again. I've done it again. I'm See, paying you enough. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while and take a bit of practice. Stoke City will be coming to the Swansea.com stadium. Um, Matt, um, we did the double over Stoke last season. One of those games in extremely controversial circumstances, admittedly. Um, but but we're not used to doing the double over Stoke. Um, it was something I really enjoyed last season. Um, do you think we'll um, keep up our winning streak against uh, uh, against Michael O'Neill's side? I don't know because you know we were playing Cooper Bowl last season. We could shit down any team, even the most brutal teams. And Stoke was always traditionally the, the sort of team that would uh, would be you know, worse than us in every aspect, apart from being able to bully us out of the result. And uh, and that's where we were different under Cooper. And we were the we were the ones that were used to uh, to ruin teams. Um but yeah, uh let's stick positive. Um especially if my prediction is correct. I'm sure that uh, Russell Martin isn't isn't an idiot and he knows that, you know, eventually uh, he's um, going to have to start registering points uh, whilst whilst developing this process, and uh, the message will be loud and clear, especially with uh, two home games back to back. Yeah, and, and I think we'll um, we'll get a result against Stoke if we if we have failed to do so against Sheffield United in particular, and I'll go for um, I'll go for a, a one 0 win. Mm, I mean, Steve. Stoke have um, started the season with high hopes. Really, they they start every season with high hopes. I guess um, they they have tended to disappoint since their relegation um, in this way back in two thousand eighteen. Is there something different about this Stoke team? You think? Um, it's it's hard to say, really, isn't it? I mean, like you say, I remember when they came down and they they signed the, the likes of Tom Ince and Benica Foby three years ago. I remember thinking. You know, they, they've made some good signings for this division and they've kept a lot of other players like Joe Allen. And I thought, well, they've, they've got a very good chance of going up here, but it, it just didn't work like that, did it? I think they've did they finished in the bottom half every year since they've come down. I mean, it's, it hasn't really clicked for them at all, has it? So I can't say I'm, um, I'd am i be overly optimistic even now if I was a Stoke fan. They have brought some, uh, some younger players in this time rather than going for the more experienced ones that they've done previously. But... Yeah, I, I can't say that, um, you know, I'd, I'd be overly enthusiastic about uh, a Stoke promotion push uh, this season, although part of me would welcome it if it meant that we didn't have to play them, because I think is it this is the 11th year in a row, I think we've been in the same division as them, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I think uh, nothing's going to top uh, shithousing last season's win against them, is it? And also, didn't they just, um, haven't they just signed a former Swan as well? Didn't he score the winner for them the other day? He he's had, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's Sam uh, Sam Surridge scored yeah. against Reading on the opening day of the season, uh, and he's also scored uh, against Fleetwood tonight in the uh, Carabao Cup. So he has definitely found his shooting boots. And does that worry you? I mean, we, we spoke <laughs> Matt about uh, McBurney and Brewster, and the truth is that this week is all about the former Swansea players because, um, as well as them, of course, we could be facing Reese Norrington-Davis, who who did spend some time in our academy before moving away. Um, and, and Stoke uh, have, uh, I think, four former Swansea players. Uh, so you've got Joe Allen, you've got uh, Sam Klukas, uh Ben Wilmot, um, who has joined them this summer, and Sam Surridge, who has now joined them this summer. Mm-hmm. I mean... There are a lot of people who will tell you that about the former player curse. If it's going to hit us any time, it's going to hit that hit us this week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate Sam Surridge when he was here. Uh, he was, he was far from the the finished article. I think that's fair to say. But he, you know, he, he scored a few goals, um, and I thought he was, um, you know, he was, he was all right. You know, I, I don't. He always worked very hard and always, yeah. kind of, you know, put in a shift, Sam Savage, and that that goes a long way in the championship. Hundred um, percent. You know, I I I think he'll uh, he'll do all right. I don't think he's going to you know threaten the goal scoring charts too much. I think he probably end, he'll end up with uh, 
you know, maybe 10, 12 goals at the end of the season, which is uh, which is a decent return. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's, we know, we know his game and, um, you know, he can be a handful in the box, especially if we, you know, they, they manage to get an aerial ball in for him and he can, um, something he can attack. But uh, I'm sure he'll, um, I'm sure he'll do, he'll do all right there. But uh, I'm, I'm more, uh, I I I bore I bore myself talking about this on this podcast to be honest too, but I'm all about how we work towards this uh, this new style of play because we can we can keep the ball, they can't do anything. That was I think that was Rogers, wasn't it? When we got to the Premier League, he was saying that you know teams can't hurt us if they can't get the ball off us, and uh, and that seems to be a kind of step back to where we're headed. Now I know very early days, but it's it, certainly from what. Um, We've seen of Russell Martin at MK Dons. He's very much the the, the mantra of uh, you know possession is king and um, and yeah, I think we had something was 70, 72 or seventy percent possession again tonight. Um, so we can uh, we I think we can look forward to a, a, an era again of dominating the ball. Um, and if we can keep the ball away from uh, Stoke, then they, there's limited damage they can do to us. Yeah, it could be difficult. I mean, they're, they're going to be, you'd think, pumped up after a good start to the season against Reading, albeit that was that looked like a bit of a crazy game. The, the defending from both teams seemed to be pretty um, pretty shocking um, up there with ours at Blackburn, really. Um, but you'd think that they'll try and press us and try and um, put us under pressure. And the player like Sam Surridge is going to chase every single ball and put every defender under pressure. I mean, Steve, going back to the former player um, curse, how superstitious are you when it comes to this? Is this something that you you think about when we come up against a team like Stoke, who, in fairness to them as well, are, have have a real habit of scoring against us with former players? Allen's done it before. Klukas has done it, um, I think, twice before. Um, before this, they had like you know Wilfred Boney did scored against us. So a lot of former Swans who've played for Stoke have scored against us. Yeah, it does seem quite typical of the type of thing that Stoke would do, doesn't it? I mean. You know, I think when, when Boney scored against us, it was annoying because obviously we'd wanted him back and then he only scored those two goals against us, which I think that obviously adds to it then. I mean, if Boney had banged in double figures, you go, OK, we're just going to have to sort of accept that strikers do tend to score. Then, you know, obviously Joe Allen isn't exactly Mr. Prolific and neither is Sam Klukas. So for them to score does add insult to injury, really, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think it's a typical type of thing that Stoke do. And I think that... You know, now that we finally got them back for all the, you know, unbearable things that they seem to have got away with against us, they're probably due to have another spell now of good luck. So, yeah, I suppose it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world, would it? No, absolutely not. Although, um, just I've been looking through the stats. Um, you know, there, there there is something in this former player um, curse. I mean, back in 2018-19. Um, there were four goals um, scored by former Swansea players against us, um, which was six percent of our entire goals for the uh, for the season. The following year, uh, under in Steve Cooper's first season in charge, uh, there were five players who um, former Swansea, uh, well, five goals scored against us by former Swansea players. That added up to eight percent of our total goals for the season. Last year, just the one, just one. And I'm going to ask the two of you if you can remember who that former oh, player was who scored against us. I can't think of who that is. Um, I haven't got a clue. I've got to be honest. Go on. It was Casey Palmer. Of course it was. Yeah, was a player who was actually with us that season as well. Yeah, that's so bizarre about it. Yeah. Yeah. But he was the only former Swan to score against us last season. Only 2% of our goals uh, in the whole last season, one out of 45 in all competitions, was scored by a former Swans, Swansea player. So, Matt, is the curse coming to an end? Is it is it dying a death now? No, because that no, because the last two years wasn't wasn't the Swansea we've known for ten. You know, it's not the Swansea know. way. It's not. It the wasn't the Swansea way. Everything about Steve Cooper wasn't the Swansea way. It wasn't about dominating the ball. It wasn't about playing sexy football. It was about getting results at all costs, which was what we expected to see off the likes of QPR and stuff. So hence why we bought a couple of players from them, I suppose. But no, I think I think what we're looking at now. 
Do expect former players to score against us. Do expect referees to give inexplicable decisions against us. That is the Swansea way. Let's dominate the ball and concede to a really dodgy last-minute decision from a ref who's an absolute twonk. And we can all sit there on a Saturday night wondering what on earth we deserve, how on earth we deserve to be hated so much by EFL. That is the Swansea way. And we and we can be self-righteous about that as well because we we played nice football despite the fact we lost. So in we we had the moral victory. Yeah, that's and that's what's most important, not the result, the moral victory because that is the Swansea way. Um, <laughs> good, just gonna ask the two of you for your predictions for the Stoke match. Um, Matt, you said earlier, I think uh, a one-nil win. Um, yeah. You stand by that prediction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think especially if I my anticipation. Of of Saturday night goes that way. I, I expect that we'll um, we'll make sure that we don't come away from nothing uh, from the from the Tuesday game. And Steve, um, do you think we're going to get our first? Well, assuming that uh, our predictions are correct and we won't win against uh, Sheffield United, do you think that we will get our first victory against Stoke? Um, I can't say I'm massively confident, but on balance, I think we will. Yes, um, but I'm going to say two one because. At the moment, I can't really see us keeping too many clean sheets, if I'm honest. So, um, yeah, I could see us conceding. But, um, yeah, I'm optimistic we may well win that one. And, and also, of course, hopefully we'll have uh, another couple of players by then that are back, maybe one or two from injury. Obviously, Jay Felton's from suspension and obviously one or two additions maybe in the transfer market. So that immediately then will, will give us that little bit of a lift as well, won't it? Yeah, that could make a big difference. I, I really look forward to seeing Fulton in this team, actually, see what he can offer. Um I mean, it will be interesting to see at what point we actually predict a clean sheet for the Swans this season, um, if if ever. Um, but I'm not going to predict a clean sheet from this game. But I will go for a one-all draw. Uh, I think Stoke um, look a decent team this season. Um, I think they'll come down here and try and put us under pressure. But um, I think we saw in the Reading game that they've got frailties at the back and they're probably still trying to adapt a few new signings as well so um hopefully um that we'll be um we'll be able to get at least a draw there but but um who knows by then you know we may be uh, improving to the stage where we may think about getting wins who knows we may have already got a win against Sheffield United we shouldn't write them off uh, that soon of course uh, we're just going to finish off this podcast um just by speaking briefly about um tonight's Carabao Cup match uh, which the Swans have won 3-0 against Reading. It has to be said, it's a, it's extremely youthful Reading team, an average age of uh, just 20. The Swans made uh, five changes too, so it wasn't a full-strength Swansea team. Although, uh, Matt, I think it's fair to say when uh, when you look at the teams, um, this is one that the Swans should have expected to win, really, even with all the caveats we've uh, we've made for, for other games uh, during this podcast. Yeah, one 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 of um, my mates called it um, a, a preseason opportunity, really that 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 Russell Martin didn't have, and I agree with that. I think it's um, you know when it was you know when 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 Redding signalled their intention to to change, um, I think Russell Martin was was right to stay fairly strong, um, whilst whilst giving a few few youngsters a chance, um, because it is about the message at the moment. This is about. Giving as much minutes, uh, competitive minutes as we can, whilst trying to embrace a new way of playing. So um, yes, whilst you know there'll be no surprises having looked at the lineups of how the end result was. Um, again, that wasn't really what I was looking at. It was it was more about the other aspects of it, and it looks like we did a we did a thoroughly professional job. Um, <laughs> although we did score from uh, from from two corners, which is uh, again, what what's going on? This this isn't the Swansea way. No, um, I feel like um, you know we've done a good job. We kept a lot of the ball. We had a huge pass uh, uh, completion rate um, and high percentages as well. And um, and all in all, it looks like the sort of uh, run out that Russell Martin would have been hoping for before he sent them out this evening. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Steve, that this um, was treated basically like a uh, a preseason match, a chance for Martin to get to know his squad and um, try a few things out. Um, but there, I think even without watching the game, there are uh, there are quite a few positives that we know of. I mean, it seems like it was quite a simple match, um, so no injuries of um, for what we can tell. Um, you know, not too much exhaustion, you'd imagine. Um, kept the ball really well, uh, according to the um, the um, 
possession statistics. And also, uh, among the three goals, you've got uh, Joe Latibaudier, who I think it's fair to say had a very difficult um, first game of the season against Blackburn. That'll do his confidence in the world of good. Uh, and also, um, Joel Pirro um, getting off the mark. And uh, if anybody hasn't seen the goal, it was uh, a very smart finish um, for uh, the Swans' third. So, I mean, a couple of positives there to take from this game, surely. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at the goals, he scored two from set pieces, which is uh, is always good. And then, as you say, I mean, the third goal was, was really well worked. So, yeah, definite positives. I mean, I think when you look at the teams, there's no doubt we would have expected to win the game. But... Um, you know, it just it just gives us that extra game, doesn't it? To, to you know, get used to Russell Martin and, and what he wants from the side. So yeah, I, I think uh, a good night for us, really, isn't it? And um, you know, we'll we'll see what we get in the next round. Then, won't we? Of course, uh, you know, no one's expecting us to repeat the heroics of uh, of eight or nine years ago. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see how far it takes us. And winning games always breeds confidence, which is good. Yeah, and like you said, it's another game, um, which isn't the league match, which um, which Martin can maybe use to change the side and, and try a few things out and get to know his players a bit better. But um, sounds like a, a reasonably positive outing, as positive as uh, a, a first-round match in the Carabao Cup can be, really. Um, and um, we've got our first win of the season under our belt, and that will surely boost confidence and boost belief ahead of... Uh, the first home game of the season against Saturday, which is bound to be a fantastic occasion just to get fans back for a proper match at the Liberty. I know we had the match against Barnsley, but you know, you we won't be able to compare the two atmospheres and it should be absolutely fantastic. And I cannot wait. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed um, this podcast. Um, join us next week. Uh, we're hoping to record one after um, the Stoke match uh, ahead of uh, the uh, coming week's matches. So um, join us then. But until then, thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 